0: This portion of the John DePietro Show, it's brought to you by Lawn Doctor, your best lawn ever guaranteed. And I can tell you with my own experience what a fantastic job they did and have done with my lawn. The easiest thing to do is log on to their website. It's LawnDoctor.com. LawnDoctor.com. Put in your zip code, your best lawn ever Guaranteed it's Lawn Doctor of Rhode Island. You can call them 401 392 1025, but log on to their website, lawndoctor.com. You're listening to the John DePetro show. It's AM 1380 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at our website, Depetro.com. Well, the McKee administration, as I have mentioned they want to get all the homeless people out of providence they're tired of them walking up being at the state house they're tired of them being in the armory so it's a 2 pronged approach number one is ship some of them north conquer and divide ship some of them north and get them into Zamburano in uh, the hospital grounds there create a homeless encampment there but the other plan and the mayor of warwick is falling for this and that is that 55 homeless people are now moving to motel six so the mayor of warwick who is not going to stand up to the governor maybe the governor's actually found someone governor mckee with less of a backbone or political will than he has and they've agreed they're going to take all those people and put them up there so channel 12 is a story on this folks this is wrong they're not homeless Listen to the story from Channel 12. Staying at the Cranston Street Armory right now will be housed once it closes for good on Monday. Seven
1: miles away in Warwick, Motel 6 set to absorb another 55 homeless individuals in addition to the 40 already being housed there, and now the mayor is raising some concerns.
0: 12 News reporter Eric Ritchie live now with why he is giving some pushback here.
1: Well, guys, it's because first it was Nilo across from the Warwick Mall. And then, as you mentioned, last fall, 40 homeless were sent to live here at the Motel 6 on Jefferson Boulevard. And now news that more are coming to live here. And so Mayor Frank Picosi is concerned that it's going to put a strain on city resources. He put out a post on Facebook yesterday. And in that post, he said, quote, our concern is that our resources and manning are stretched thin already, and more calls could lead to having additional personnel working on some shifts or days, which would be very expensive for the city, but necessary for public safety. And the mayor says he had a meeting with the housing secretary, Stephan Pryor, last week and a meeting with the governor yesterday, and he shared those concerns with both of them in the form of data showing statistics on increased calls for service at Motel 6 since the fall and last year when the Nyla Hotel was being used as a shelter. Mayor Picosi says the governor was receptive to his concerns and indicated that he would be amenable to working out a reimbursement program, and so now the conversation is to be continued. In the meantime, the mayor says that he was told that the 55 rooms that are going to be opening here at Motel 6 will be giving preferential treatment to those who are currently staying at the Cranston Street Armory, which is slated to close this coming Monday. Uh, and the mayor was also told, he tells us, that they'll start moving in here this week. We'll keep an eye on that. For you, for now, live in Warwick, Erica Ritchie, 12 News. You
0: know, this is a joke. This is no longer what incentive are those people going to have to actually find a place to live? None. They're going to get their wish, which is they want to live in a hotel. They, 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 and, and they're also slobs, by the way. The Cranston Street Armory, they they couldn't even use the bathroom properly. They were use, they were going to. How else to explain it? They were going to the bathroom in the restroom but not into they would just go on the floor i don't know who else to put it 55 yeah it's starting at 55 motel 6 they're turning that into it's really it's people who want free housing not low-income housing free housing what incentive are these individuals going to have to go out and find a job and find a place to live Zero. Because Governor McKee and the state leaders that are approaching this in a very weak need fashion are instead saying, we're going to put you up. We're going to transport you there. What else is going to happen? How are you going to feed them? And then how are you going to give them transportation? Do you understand? This is like the state is adopting them. Who's paying for this? We're paying for it. Folks, this is wrong. The mayor of Warwick ought to stand up to them. And the amount of service calls, yeah, fights. Uh, tons of drug activity this is a total joke this is this is not and they we need a new term they're not homeless they're people who want free housing that's who they are there was a fire the other night in a home those people are then without housing not this crowd the state's going to move 55 homeless people to motel six why would they go out and try to find an apartment why would they go out and then try to find uh, a normal place to live no this is exactly what they want to do and i've said in the past that there are individuals they wait for these hotel vouchers for them there is someone that i used to interview sometime last summer and it was for her if she'd get a couple of vouchers she said was like going on vacation comes into the hotel tv's free free wi-fi they have coffee downstairs i think even a coffee maker in the room and then they're free to go about their day but they're not paying rent the state's picking it up this is so unfair this is also not a solution the mayor warwick ought to put his foot down now they're trying to say well you know may well motel six jefferson boulevard it's not like it's in a neighborhood what about the businesses around there because they like to roam around during the day now there's also this is not a shelter they have curfews in the shelter there's no curfew here so many times warwick police they have to go to where motel six what time three o'clock in the morning two o'clock in the morning somebody od'd somebody there's a fight obviously a lot of drug activity all of and by the way shame on all these people that continue to say i'd like to see us take care of some of the people in this country and or which means they don't want to defeat russia and ukraine or the people that say that could be any one of us wrong they're slobs these are people employment housing should be tied to employment housing should be tied to employment Yeah, you could. All right. We'll work something on Motel 6, but you have to work. I don't I don't know. Twenty five hours a week. Something like that. Something should be tied in to get these people working because they're not working. What an absolute joke. Moving. The state is adopting 55 adults. Now, as far as families, you can't put kids in there. Do you have any idea who's staying in a place like that? You know, in Motel 6, you think about it. Remember the whole thing of the guy, had, we'll leave the light on for you. You get a comfortable room. It's affordable. Next time you're traveling. I remember when those ads first hit, there were wildly effective radio ads of the Motel 6 ads. Now, the Motel 6 on Jefferson Boulevard, I mean, it is essential. It's right off the highway. It's always a drug meet it's always there are you know there's prostitution involved there's all sorts of illegal activity happening at motel 6 tom bodell wasn't that his name and we'll leave the light on for you i mean that's how they got their name and sometimes in the past i mean many years ago traveling um you know i think i don't remember exactly where it was but i think one time we actually did um stay in one and and it was just the way that it was you know initially designed which was you know clean comfortable yeah tom Bodet. do you remember these commercials let me see if i can pull this Baudette,
1: up. quote checking in on my smartphone everyone's checking in nowadays at airports restaurants
0: appointments with certain medical specialists Seriously, people. TMI.
1: Anyway, thanks to the Motel 6 mobile app, you can book a clean, comfortable room at Motel 6 on your smartphone and get a great rate. Then, when you get to Motel 6, you can check in. After you check in, your friends will be totes jealous. I'm Tom Bodette
0: from Motel 6, and we'll leave the light on for you. I mean, that that is classic branding. That was an award-winning radio campaign. Um, and, And now... Now it has become that that's not what it is. So what about someone who mistakenly books it there and then wants to stay there? This is um, the mayor of war we're going to fight this and now the state's going to pay for it and I want to be really clear folks do you see where the direction the state's going? McKee is caving. It's going to be taxpayer-funded abortions but now it's going to be that these people they choose not to work they want free housing and now the state of Rhode Island is going to pay for them to live at motel six now listen i get that people could say well it's not that luxurious and all these other excuses you want to come up with we are not built that way it is not fair to the general population and i want to repeat what i said earlier come on be reasonable what motivation are these individuals going to have to go out and actually find employment find their own place to live that they take care of, that they pay the rent. They're not. Zero. You're taking it away by putting them up at Motel 6. That's not a solution. It's a Band-Aid. It's a poor one. You're listening to The John DePietro Show. The Cui set in. Folks, who are listening to the John DePietro Show weekdays. We start at 11. We go until 2. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, dipietro.com. Time for our legal segment. Join us right now. One of Rhode Island's top attorneys. He is our legal expert. is attorney Tim Dodd. And Tim, let's start off with the situation. President Trump, this woman from many years ago. There's a lot of questioning of the uh, strategy that was put in by Team Trump, but made some allegations. Uh, definitely a different type of trial. The president did not attend, although they did submit they had to sit for a deposition. And uh, people are a little confused what the result is. So let's start with this e. Jean Carroll uh, successful result against President Trump.
2: Yeah, John, it's, it's an unusual case in that it's not a criminal case. It's not that he was standing trial um, for the crime of allegedly raping um, E. Jean Carroll. This is a civil case. The statute of limitations on the potential criminal charge had long since expired, but New York has, in the recent years, um, extended the statute of limitations for certain types of um, civil matters. Um, And this type of sexual involvement, if you will, um, is one of the types of cases which um, obtained an extended statute of limitations period. Uh, I'm not sure if this was designed so that she could go after the president, but she was certainly a beneficiary of this change um, in the law. Sure. Because until the law passed, her statute of limitations would have expired decades ago, but she was able to revive the case. Um, in terms of the actual proceedings, uh, President Trump chose not to attend. Um, I think that the optics of that were very bad. Um, I'm not sure how the optics would have been if he was sitting at counsel table for the length right. of the trial. Um, I don't think he would have been able to contain himself, um, with rolling his eyes and gesticulating and doing all sorts of things, which may or may not have been helpful. I think his team, um, is getting a fair amount of criticism, but they had a tough client. Yeah. I mean, the president's deposition was a disaster. It was a disaster. Yeah. Um, there were certain things he couldn't run away from. For instance, he was asked um, about his comments, which came up in the um, campaign of 2016 right. about grabbing women by the crotch and yep. that he could get away with it. The Access that, Hollywood tape. Yep. Yes. So he doubled down on that saying, yeah, yeah. For, for a million years, if you're a <laughs> celebrity or a star, yeah. you can get away with such things. Uh, That was disastrous. It was disastrous when he uh, insulted um, Carroll's counsel. You know, Trump says, you know, Eugene Carroll's really not my type. And he says, to be candid with you, you're not my type either. Holy cow. I hope you're not offended by that comment. I mean, going out of his way to be insulting and demeaning. um, Not taking it, it seriously almost, Tim Dodd. You know, Or uh, his attitude towards women came yes. through loud and clear, and yeah. I think that was very damaging. Now, the puzzling part of the um, ultimate verdict is Gene uh, Carroll was saying repeatedly, he raped me, he raped me, he raped me. Now, rape would require some um, penetration, if yes. you will. So that's got to be part of the equation. He raped me, he raped me, he raped me. Um, The jury comes back on the jury questionnaire. Do you find by a preponderance of the evidence that Jean Carroll was raped by the defendant? Answer, no. So they did not find that she proved her case of rape. And by the way, this is not a case where the standard of proof was beyond a reasonable doubt, which is our highest standard, which attaches in criminal cases, this is a preponderance standard, 51%. All you have to do is tip that scale a little bit and you've proved your case. So even by uh, essentially the lowest standard we have for conducting a trial, by the lowest possible standard, um, she did not prove that he raped her now if the jury didn't buy it and that was her testimony all along did they not believe her were yeah. the facts not present but then they go on uh, for the next count do you find by a preponderance of the evidence that the defendant i believe it was sexually abused the defendant the plaintiff answer yes so they found the jury did, that the defendant did something different than what Jean Carroll was alleging happened to her in that changing room. So it's a bit of a puzzler how they came up with that split decision. Now, the money aspect comes, I believe, in large part because they also found that uh, President Trump uh, defamed her and libeled her. By saying, you know, she was a crackpot, she was, you know, a scammer looking for money, and a bunch of other unnecessary um, comments. So, certainly there'll be an appeal. Certainly before the appeal is taken, there'll be a motion for a new trial. Um, That will never work. There'll be a motion to set aside the verdict. That'll never work. Uh, There'll be a motion to reduce the jury award that'll never work. I mean, President Trump is simply in the wrong jurisdiction for his purposes in front of the wrong jury pool for his purposes. Um, What will he um, be able to do on appeal? Well, at least during the campaign, he will be able to say, I've appealed it because it was a crazy verdict. Um, Appeals depend on Showing that he didn't get a fair trial because of either, as we've said many times, did the judge let in evidence he should have shouldn't right. have let in? Did he yep. keep out evidence that should have come in? Um, you know, we only see in here um, in news reports, the highlights of the trial, like the most um, um, interesting snippets of testimony. Sure. We don't really know the day-to-day rulings that the judge made, helpful or harmful, um, correct or incorrect, which could have influenced the jury. So do I think he's going to have an easy time on appeal? No, but I do find the verdict to be puzzling.
0: Yeah. Tim Dodd, um, just in hindsight, just so people understand, um, he's gonna he was gonna sit you know for the deposition granted difficult client but <laughs> if, if you are advising his legal team he you know he absolutely those questions I mean they shouldn't have come out of nowhere but he certainly had the <laughs> opportunities what I'm trying to get at to prepare to have better answers than what he came up with that these things have gone on for a million years and you know, and then when they showed the photo, he mistakenly you know, <laughs> picked out the woman and thought it was marla maples um and and again, what she looks like now compared to back at the time. But my point is, I mean prior to him sitting for the deposition, his legal team would have been within their right to prepare him for the for the depot.
2: It would be malpractice not to prepare him Oh okay, you no, know, yeah, y- you can assume that he was prepared. I mean his lawyer, his wow. main trial lawyer, Joe Takapina, right you know, he, he does a lot of talking head stuff, but he's also a very experienced um, defense attorney. He knows his way around a courtroom. He's a good lawyer. He's a very good lawyer. Um, he's getting his share of criticism. Yeah. But look at the client he had. It's yeah. anytime your client's going your client is going to be deposed, you would do a dry run. Here's the yep. types of questions you're going to be asked. Yeah. Be prepared like debate, for this. Like debate
0: prep almost.
2: Yeah. Yes. You've got to do your prep. Now, you can't mm. advise a person to testify untruthfully, obviously. Right. But you can take them through, I mean, where people during the prep might give an answer. And you might then follow, are you sure of that answer? Well, mm. No. Well, don't guess, you know, don't offer information that's not requested. Just answer the question. Think about your answer. And in a case like this, Takapina would have clearly, if he was allowed to, and if Trump gave him the time, spent hours, hours preparing him for this deposition. The stakes are so high. And you don't know if Takapina spent... 25 hours prepping the president, and then Trump goes in there and does it his way.
0: Calls an audible. Yeah. Goes on
2: his own. Or maybe Trump said, Look, I don't need a lot of prep there, Joe. I'm good to go. You know, you don't know. And I'm sure Takapina is not going to divulge what happened behind the scenes. But whether the president was prepped and said, To heck with it, I'm doing it my way, or whether he refused to get prepped. The result was disastrous. I mean, yeah. it was, he was doomed when they showed that um, video to the jury. Yeah. Um, doomed in terms of making a terrible impression. Yep. But I come back to the point, despite a, a horrifically bad deposition, um, Jean Carroll was a very good witness. I think she did a really good job. She was yeah. well prepared. Yeah. She had her talking points. She had her um, taglines that she could get in front of the jury, which the media repeated. She did a great job. You got to hand it to her. Right. But despite a great plaintiff's testimony and an embarrassing deposition by Donald Trump, the jury still didn't find that he raped her. Right.
0: Uh, Folks, quick break. Much more ahead. Legal expert attorney Tim Dodd, right here on the John DePietro Show. We're speaking with. 1524 atwood avenue in johnston that's right in the atwood medical center and also 5750 post road east greenwich online at net. legal expert and attorney tim dot tim before we talk about representative george santos but just following up on difficult client uh now they're both deceased but from what i understand during the plunderdome trial uh another very charismatic political leader buddy sancy from what i had learned was he was a difficult client for Richard Egbert. And every time Egbert would want to kind of go over things, uh, what I was told was CNC's response was, with what I'm paying you, you go ahead and do that. Just tell me when to show up. And would not lend a lot of time to walking through, you know, well, do you know this person? And this person said that, and they said this, and he was he was not an easy client. If you could just touch on you could you know, you can have the best legal team in the world, but if the client you have a difficult client or they won't listen, it's it's all for naught.
2: It's 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 really difficult, and any lawyer would tell you, for, forgetting the Trump situation, you can spend hours yep. trying to prepare your client for a deposition, but you can almost be guaranteed uh, the client will say something. Um, or respond to a question or bring up something that they didn't previously share with their attorney uh, in the middle of the deposition. There's, wow. there's always, um, not always, but frequently unplanned things that come up. Uh-huh. Um, the same at trial. You can yeah. prepare uh, ad nauseum for trial, and you can be certain that you know your best laid battle plan uh, can get tripped up. at at any time when witnesses say unexpected or unplanned things. Um, It's a funny thing, you know, there's a difference between prepping in a friendly room and a witness going in, in front of a, let's call it a hostile audience, um, asking questions that are designed to trip you up or to force you to divulge unpleasant or uncomfortable things. with Buddy, <clears throat> um, one wonders if Buddy had testified. Would his yeah. charm have charmed the jury? Yeah. Um, I, I think that although he would probably think that he could charm the pants off anybody, right. um, I'm sure his legal team knew that there was enough bad material that he would yeah. have an unpleasant time trying to answer yeah. uh, that they kept him off the stand. And, John, at the time you make your decision whether you're going to put your defendant on the stand, you've got to really sift through and assess what facts the prosecution has proved. I think in Buddy's case, Egbert looked at the evidence, looked at the testimony, and said, I don't think the prosecution has proved the case. There's no reason to put Buddy on because they haven't proved anything. Right. And I think the jury results – sort of affirmed that assessment Buddy was found not guilty on what john you remember better than i 31 of 32 accounts exactly yeah and the one that he was found guilty on was conspiracy yet they didn't find that he conspired with anybody no usually if you're going to be in a conspiracy there's got to be another identifiable conspirator sure um, which was the essence of buddy's appeal but he, he came pretty close to running the table and walking yeah. out of that c- courtroom you know, without a conviction. Yeah. And what the jury got him on, again, was um, puzzling.
0: He, he, years later, told me one time up on Federal Hill, Tim Dodd, uh, that in hindsight, the jury, he, he felt he wished he had taken the stand because the jury, they, and he sat through the entire trial, unlike Trump who didn't even show up, but he felt that they were waiting to hear from him. And then the fact that he didn't, ever speak or you know that they, they held it against well, them. That, uh, and,
2: that, and that's the tricky thing. A, yeah. a judge will instruct the jury at the beginning and at the end that you can't take a negative inference in a criminal trial well, from the fact that the defendant chooses not to take the stand. Well they say but as that, a, but <laughs> as a, yes, but as a practical matter, you're right. The jury many times wants to hear from the defendant. They want to hear the defendant say I didn't do it. I didn't kill that person. I didn't rob that bank. They want to hear it. And yeah. when they don't hear it, um, they think that the defendant's got something to hide. And with Trump's case, when he doesn't even bother to show up, um, you know, I, I I don't think that reflects favorably on what the jury has to contend with.
0: Yeah. And and Tim Dodd, finally, just to close it out, we also locally saw it, a perfect example of when to me, Officer Dolan of Pawtucket, when he did get on the stand, he was well prepped, kept his cool, and he he was found not guilty on the shooting of the teen. And I I don't think he'd get the same results had he not had not taken the stand.
2: you're, um, you're, you're absolutely right. I was floored that he was found not guilty, yeah. but he. Um, Despite any what anyone thought before that trial started, did a very good, credible job, believable, level-headed, and um, was found not guilty. I think that's an excellent example, John.
0: Folks, we who with our legal expert, attorney Tim Dodd. Tim Dodd is representative George Santos. He's the one that came into court. Uh, excuse me, came into Congress. His resume started falling apart. Uh, a lot of problems, but it, it sure sounds like he's facing some pretty serious charges now.
2: Yes, I mean he got he got himself elected with a completely um not completely but near completely fraudulent resume yeah. uh, of his job experience, of his education, of his family background, um virtually everything that he put before the um electorate was um false information regarding his background his person, personal life, et cetera. There's certainly been um, many calls from Democrats and some Republicans that he should resign from Congress because he's a fraud. Um, there's a congressional investigation before the quote unquote Ethics Committee. Um, that's typically a black hole where all of these ethics invest, ethics investigations go to die a quiet death. But with him, it's a little different because um, this is a story that deserves the media attention it's getting because it's so bad on the political end, which is not for me to discuss, but the Speaker's got a problem because he's got such a thin majority. It's hard for him to throw this guy under the bus and say, you should resign from Congress. Because his majority is in the single digits. It's, it's a very narrow um, majority that he's got. He can't afford to lose anybody. But to the, the fact that he has not resigned and that this ethics committee has not done anything, now the feds have stepped in and um, very quickly um, gotten this guy um, indicted for money laundering, wire, tra- money transfer fraud. Um, misappropriation of campaign funds um, theft of campaign funds, theft of money from charitable organizations that he was involved in that's I believe 13 counts all seem pretty serious um, at first blush it all seems pretty believable that he likely did these things he's alleged to have done Um the tricky bit comes now that there's renewed calls. Oh, he's got to resign. He's got to resign. And he seems like a pretty despicable person. Yeah. And he probably, um, if he had any sense of morals and ethics would resign. But the flip side is he's presumed innocent until he's proven guilty. He's still, he is still cloaked with that same presumption of innocence that any other defendant in the country is cloaked with. So when you've got certain political elements saying he's got to resign, he's been charged with a crime. Well, if that's the new standard, then we're really in trouble. The fact that you're charged with a crime should not necessarily result in you having to resign your position. It might be the ethical and moral thing to do, but legally he's presumed innocent. I, I don't think... Um, that very long if he goes to trial. Um, there's been instances where people have been convicted of crimes, or misdemeanors in congressional representatives, and they don't resign. Um, I think the only reason you would have to resign, or if you didn't resign, um, agree not to vote on anything, is if you were convicted of a sure. crime, but, that, a felony. So but t- he could t- hang t- in, t- in t- there. Stick,
0: sticking with the, the charges, forget the put politics to the side for a moment when when they bring them up on wire fraud uh 13 criminal counts of wire fraud money laundering it it sure sounds that it's been my experience that when the feds bring those charges they they feel pretty solid about them
2: yeah i would say they got him i would say yeah. they got him dead to rights um right. but he still presumed innocent no, and has to understand. grind grind through this process but yeah. you're right when the feds bring those types of charges yeah. it's typically pretty black and white either that there was wire transfer of money right there's fraudulently done yeah. um, apparently he apparently this guy also while running for Congress and raising campaign contributions um, was collecting unemployment I mean yeah. he, he was doing every foolish criminal thing that a foolish criminal who's not very good at it would be doing yep.
0: Um, folks quick break much more ahead legal expert attorney Tim Dodd right here on the John DiPietro show get your driveway paved J Perry paving letter J J Perry paving high quality fair pricing exceptional service over 25 years experience specialized commercial paving residential paving seal coating call for a free estimate today 401-732-1730 j perry paving hey learn about the benefits of asphalt paving whether it's a brand new paving project or a cracked driveway it's affordable smooth safe to drive on aesthetically appealing asphalt can be recycled reused. j perry paving a licensed and insured contracting company committed to meeting your needs no matter how big how small? Contact them today for a free quote 401 732 1730. What a difference it makes for your driveway, for your business, parking lot. J, letter J, J Perry Paving. 401 732 1730. Online at jperrypaving.com and look for them on Facebook. We're speaking with our legal expert, Attorney Tim Todd. Tim, turning uh, locally to Coventry, there's been a lot of back and forth with Johnson's Pond. What are we to make of this story now? A lot of people would be surprised that Johnson's Pond and Coventry is actually has a an owner. It's a little bit of an unusual situation. But what about this latest demand where he's removing residents, uh, removed their docks? This 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 sounds like a a, a tough situation simply because you have the, you have the town of Coventry. You have the owner of the pond, and then you have the residents that reside on the pond.
2: Well, it, it's it's a very unique situation. Yeah, um, folks who live on Johnson's Pond have a have a wonderful opportunity to enjoy a, a big freshwater. Um, uh, environment some beautiful homes on the pond everyone's got boats everyone's got docks everyone's got all the toys you know the summer toys um for years people were pretty much left alone i believe the pond water levels were traditionally controlled by mill owners but there's not a lot of mills anymore and the water level would typically stay at an appropriate level during the summer um and the owner of the pond who controls the um, flow of water through the pond can control the height in the depth, uh, let's say, of the water. It's interesting because if you own property on the pond right on the waterfront, you own up to the water, but you have no rights to the water. The entirety of the water from the land into the water is now owned by, I think it's the social real yes. estate group. Yes. Now, why the town didn't buy this property when it came on the uh. market is um, a, a mystery, but a private owner owns the water. right? And the private owner says, if you want to use, many things have happened. If you would like to access the water that we own, you've got to pay a user fee. People went crazy because for their entire lives that had never been requested. So now the owner wants to make money with this thing. We wanna charge user fees. Yeah. That results in litigation. The owner says, okay, no problem. I'll just keep the water level so low for the, the summer that you all can't use your boats and other pleasure craft. That creates a firestorm with all the owners now the um, owners and the town get the state to pass legislation that um, limits the ability of the owner of water rights to play around with water levels that's in litigation now the the uh, owners are saying well you know a lot of these docks and things that have been done Uh, have been done without the appropriate permits and approvals. So if you can't show that you've got the appropriate permit or approval for your dock, you must remove it. Wow. That's creating a firestorm. And I I would venture to say a lot of people, because no one was ever paying attention, did put up docks, did extend into the water. Sure, They don't own the water. So when you're putting your dock into the water, you're invading property that you don't own but for generations that was not a problem the um, social group says hey people if you're upset you should be upset with the town of coventry because the town was for, tasked for years with supervising what goes on they didn't do their job we're the owner we don't want a bunch of you know um, improperly constructed or non-permitted decks to be on our property. You're on our property. So it's a very interesting battle between the owners who just wanna make money with this thing and residents who don't like the fact that they're being pushed financially um, by an owner where until three years ago, they enjoyed almost total independence to do anything they wanted to do and there was not much of um supervisory authority over what people did out there so you can see the legitimacy in both sides positions and it's going to be a very very um daunting problem for courts to work through because you've got the owners who've got a good lawyer who is um representing his client to the best of his ability and what that lawyer's doing for the owners of the water um, is driving the owners of real estate on the pond absolutely crazy. Um, It's a very emotional thing. Um, I think people are not really looking at the law. They're looking at the emotion. We all know people who live on Johnson Pond. It's an ideal place to live. Right. And their enjoyment has been disrupted for the last three years. I mean, if I was there, I'd be furious, too.
0: Yeah. Folks, oh, so again, we're with our legal analyst. It's attorney Tim Dodd. And, Tim, our next story, this is uh, – what, what are we to make? And do you think that some of these people, these businesses, hit with these surprise electric bills? Um, it, it's, it's, it's definitely an unusual story, but one of them, you know, suddenly out of nowhere, the guy gets an electric bill for – and I'm wondering if you feel they may have some legal recourse.
2: They they may, but what happened, oh, maybe a dozen years ago is um, the um, utilities started replacing meters. And when they started replacing meters, um, they realized that the old meters were not properly calculating usage. Um, And people were getting big bills once their meters were replaced after that became known people wouldn't allow their meters to be changed they would never be home they would try to avoid it because invariably and this happened a lot in the city of providence where they had really old meters um, for simple residential homeowners it would create large bills these businesses now are getting the same treatment um, and I'm not sure it's because of new meters or just, I think part of it is instead of actual meter readings during COVID um, they were doing drive-bys and estimates of usage because of COVID. But now that they're getting the actuals instead of the estimates, there's monies that are owed. I think any of these business owners, should be either filing suit or um, looking for almost a forensic analysis of what they were billed, what that was based upon, and what's the basis of this new bill they're getting. How accurate is it? Uh, Where is this information coming from? It seems um, astonishing that there could be such a huge, underestimating or under reporting of what these businesses were using now if a business normally was paying i don't know 500 bucks a month for electricity to so this make up a number and during covid because of the estimates um, they were getting a much smaller bill well is that because the drive-by estimates um were inaccurate? Or is that because there was actually less usage because let's say a restaurant or a business was closed or people were working remotely? I mean, I think there's a lot of reasons that anyone getting these bills should be demanding that the bill be justified, going back in time, looking at the meters, looking at the estimates and seeing if these new big bills are accurate or if the owners of these business sh- should have known that they were getting away with something because the bills were abnormally low. I don't, I don't yeah. know which way it'll shake out, but there's gotta be, if you're getting these bills, a forensic audit of where this new bill came from.
0: Folks. Um, and Tim Dodd, finally, the case of the two suspected killers with uh, speaking of Coventry, but, um a carbuncle pond in coventry this woman from brockton pregnant uh these two individuals but with the the only the thing the part about it that I, i'd like to just comment on that, and i sat in uh on the arraignment but it is to me it's almost like a textbook case of the technology that is available to law enforcement now where they have here they are you know footage of them at the gas station and they're you know there they are together and she's in the vehicle and they're filling up with gas, and then their cell phones are pinging all over the place. They have them from Brockton to Buttonwoods. Then they go back to Lincoln Mall, and then one of them goes into 7-Eleven. On the video, you can see the guy's checking his hand. He has bruises on his hand. Then it follows them. The cell tower follows them down to Coventry. One of them gets a phone call as they're riding there. at like 6.15 in the morning, and the woman can hear – the, the that there were two of them in the vehicle and can hear the other one there and then her cell phone is pinging my my point and then they even have the vehicle going past the state police barracks uh in video of that my my whole point is it, it, i'm telling you tim Dot, it's whoever these two individuals are uh but it's 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 really incredible the amount of technology law enforcement can pull together where they literally are tracing their movements from the moment this woman got in the vehicle with them.
2: Yes. And apparently both of these guys had a history with the woman who ultimately was found in the pond. And you're right. The technology really does croak them. Um, It's, it's, it's all there. Um, It's, it's a little bit different, but it's almost like the case in South Carolina where the cell phones and the pinging, um, Really tightened the 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 noose around that defendant with these guys, um, I think all the technology they they were going to get um, locked into this between all of the the pinging of the cell phones and the available videos but in in one of the news reports um, one of the two defendants um, was making statements and and cooperating in um, discussing his involvement or lack of involvement with the cops. And especially if you're guilty, it's crazy for you to go in and talk to the cops and try to lie your way out of it. It, it almost never works. Um, The cops love it when people go in unaccompanied by counsel to think that they can, you know, con their way and talk their way out of a situation. Um, I don't know everything that uh, the defendant said during the um, police interview, but almost invariably um, that is a significant piece in um, showing that you're lying. You know, once they have get all the forensics and all the cell phone and all the technology, that everything, not everything, but typically a lot of things that the defendant says during the police interview is false. Um, It's just a very odd quirk of human nature that people think they can go into a police station if they're in fact guilty or, you know, we think this guy might be guilty. And think you can this BS your way through an interview yeah. and walk out and, you know, you'll outsmart the cops. It never happens that way. No,
0: it does not. Folks, again, he's our legal expert attorney, Tim Dodd. Tim, excellent job as always, and we'll talk to you again.
2: Thanks, John. Take care.
0: Falcon Pest Services, 12 months of the year, you could have a pest problem. Serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts called Falcon Pest Services today, 401-739-1322 free consultation 401-739-1322 locally owned and operated serving rhode island and southeastern mass they offer services for termites bed bugs ants roaches mice rats in the summertime spring fall mosquitoes and many other pests call today for a free consultation whether it's for your home or a restaurant maybe it's once a year maybe it's once a month call falcon Pest Services Today, free consultation, 401-739-1322. Residential and commercial, whether it's an office building, a school, a hotel, a restaurant, or your home, call Falcon Pest Services Today, free consultation, 401-739-1322. There's no limit to what you can do outside with your property. Folks call Limitless Outdoors today, 401-580-1852, get a free quote and let them go to work to show you how you could use all of your outdoor living space. Limitless Outdoors, they specialize in patios, walkways, they did a fantastic job with my steps. How about an outdoor kitchen or landscape lighting? retaining walls lawn installations excavations limitless outdoors and also inside limitless outdoors could also offer indoor stone veneer services update your indoor fireplace or kitchen limitless outdoors call today for a free quote 401-580-1852 look for them on facebook or call 401-580-1852 limitless outdoors dream Build. Enjoy. Get the most of your property, both inside and out. 401-580-1852. Limitless. Outdoors. Based in Smithfield, Rhode Island. healthy stop it and see Marie at it's my health 10.99 Menden Road in Cumberland you can also look for her on Facebook but call her 401 305 3585 you know the building it's that historic white church diagonally across from Davenport restaurant it's my health what do you find inside well first of all great service great selection menden road in cumberland again call marie 401-305-3585 diagonally across from davidport restaurant